Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. There's going to be three inches of snow and ice and unforgiving winds, but now things may be dissipating. Stay tuned for more. But until then, we're going to pick up the pieces of the Super Bowl of yesterday and also see criminal prosecutions happening in Michigan and Marymount High School and Northern Kentucky and so much more. And Michelle Schnodgrass is the Campbell County attorney, and I just learned she's retiring at the end of the year. Michelle Schnodgrass, welcome again to the Bill Cunningham Show. And why are you retiring? You're too young to retire. You got to stay at it. Why are you, uh, well, why, why are you, why are you retiring? Let me say that I'm not retiring except from my job as the Commonwealth's attorney. I will still be practicing law just on the private side as starting at the end of the year. Right, let's talk about this Michigan case because I followed it on law and crime and other places. And a Michigan jury found Jennifer Crumley last week guilty of uh, four counts of involuntary manslaughter, which carry 15 years in jail each which means it's four different events. So she might get 60 years. She probably can't do 15. She appears to be a, a mother in her uh, early 50s. And after uh, two days of deliberations, a jury in Oakland County, Metro Detroit, found her guilty of four counts of involuntary manslaughter. Her son did the killing. Uh, Madison Baldwin, Tate Meyer, Hannah St. Julian, and Justin Schilling. And according to some, this is the first time the state uh, of uh, Michigan or Ohio, Kentucky, anywhere uh, th- that they prosecuted, maybe a bad mother, maybe a bad parent. So as a prosecutor, when, when you read and saw these uh, verdicts coming out, uh, what was your first impression? Well, my first impression was this. The implications of this are going to be felt across the country. This is a huge verdict, and it will allow prosecutors to look at things a little bit differently. When you have a child committing an act, we're now going to be looking at the parents. We're going to see what the parents knew, what they did, but more importantly, what they didn't do that allowed the crime to occur. And I think that is going to change things. So even though you're in uh, Newport, Campbell County, when a different state, a similar state, I think in many ways to uh, Kentucky and Ohio, uh, the female prosecutor in Oakland County uh, said that there were several facts about uh, this case that uh, Jennifer Crumley failed to do or she did things or didn't do things. What were three or four of the facts you think was relevant to the jury? Well, one of the biggest things is that this child, this Ethan Crumley, had been asking for help. He clearly had some mental health issues. He had gone to his parents. He had gone to others asking for somebody to provide him help, and they didn't do that. If you watched any of this trial, what was going on in this mother's life was crazy. I mean, she's out meeting men. She's doing everything else other than parenting her child. And the fact that she did not get him help when he asked for it, when there were warning signs available and she ignored those, that's one of the things I think that is most important from a prosecutor's perspective. And also the fact that there were access to weapons, to guns in the household that were not 
They were not locked up appropriately. He was able to easily get them. So you've got mental health, you've got guns, and you've got a child making threats at the school. And in fact, at the school, the day of the shooting, can you relate what happened the day of the shooting when the mother and this stuff about her having an open marriage with uh, with James Crumbly, the father, he's going to go on trial, by the way, next month. And I would anticipate with all this publicity, that you're going to get the same verdict in this case. But it was somewhat salacious that she had multiple affairs. And that seemed to indicate, I think maybe the defense wanted to use that as an advantage to say this. Uh, this woman also had some problems. She had difficulties. Uh, but but nonetheless, on the the school got a hold. Explain what happened the morning of the shooting when the school got a hold of the parents, said, come on in, we got to talk. And then mom showed up and didn't take the kid out of school. Of course, the school could have ordered him out of school. But and now the school is getting sued for tens of millions of dollars. And I'm sure the Crumleys are going to be sued for tens of millions of dollars. But that may not be particularly relevant. So what is the involvement in the mother when they're called to school and doesn't react appropriately? And then later that day, all hell breaks loose. You know, um, it, it's hard for me to understand as a parent myself when you're called to the school and they're talking about threats that your child is making. When you're being shown papers, papers where he basically drew pictures of the gun that he had access to of an individual lying on the floor in a pool of blood when you're seeing these things and you simply walk out the door and go about your day. As a parent, I can't understand that. And I think that's something that really had an impact on the jurors. How do you not do something? Knowing that your child has asked for help, you see this evidence, this paperwork. Basically, it was a blueprint for the shooting yeah. that was going to happen later that day. And yeah. she did nothing. She walked away. The father walked away and left him there. You know, I know the school's getting sued. There's only so much a school can do. You know, with a child, they are limited as to what they can do. I'm sure that will play itself out in the courtroom in Michigan. But ultimately, it comes down to a parent. And, and, she, left the, him. and she left. And the shots are as almost the shots are being fired by Ethan. He sends a text to his mother, Jennifer Crumley. She sends back a text that says, don't do it. And when she testified, she said, I assume don't do it. I did that. Yes, I did text back. Don't do it. She described it as suicide. She thought she knew he had a gun and wasn't sure exactly where it was. It was in his backpack. And he's texting her troubling text that seemed to indicate he's about to do something terrible. And she texts back to him, don't do it. She said it was suicide. But if I'm a parent, which I am, and my son is mentally troubled, he has access to weapons, I would assume she knew he had the gun because the gun wasn't in the house. And she's out having multiple affairs. She must have been a sex addict and not parenting. And then when during the day of the shooting in school, she gets a troubling text like, I'm going to do it. And then she says, don't do it. Isn't that the time that, as a parent, you say, I, 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 I'm dri driving to the school, I'm stopping this, I'm calling the police. That was, I think, a factor, don't do it. She had, co she had cog consciousness of guilt, in a sense. She was cognitive, and she said to him, don't do it. But if it means firing a gun in the school, blowing your brains out, you've got to act. Am I right or wrong? You are absolutely right. And the fact that she is saying now, or she said at her trial, 
Oh, I thought he was talking about suicide. Well, remember, her son didn't draw pictures of suicide. So stories change. We all know that. We know that defense attorneys work with their clients. Hey, what did you mean by that? Did you mean X, Y, or Z and giving them certain options? She knew exactly what was going to happen. I think that's the mindset of the jury is that she knew. And when he said, I'm going to do it, how do you think of anything else other than that drawing that you just saw? The drawing wasn't of him lying on the ground. It was of somebody else who he had killed. So she knew what was going to happen at that point in time. And you want to talk about what this mom was doing on other, uh, other days instead of parenting her child. I always find it interesting how defendants look when they appear in the courtroom. And boy, her defense attorney sure tried to make her look like an old maid. But when you saw pictures of her before, when she was right. going out with these, you know, and, and engaging in all these extramarital affairs instead of taking care of her child, it's a different person. So I think the jury had to take all of that into consideration. Very uh, not as sympathetic. And I am certain that these counsel, because it was a nationwide case, had many sessions in which they brought in and prepared her for every conceivable argument and dressed her up in a way that made her look like a uh, like a, she belonged in some cornflake box, when in reality she liked to think of herself as, as a player. And, and this relates a little bit to Marymount High School. Marymount High School, as you know, had a terrible incident in, in which a 14-year-old was uh, conjuring up a, a conspiracy to shoot numerous Teachers, students, and staff at Marymount High School, uh, the Marymount student had a hit list of eight teachers and students to kill. And this 14-year-old was arrested on Wednesday of last week. And uh, Melissa Powers, the fine Hamilton County prosecutor, is going to try this, try to get this case tried as, a, as an adult at the age of 14. But the, the hero in this case is a fellow Marymount student who stepped up and seemingly uh, this 14-year-old, who's not yet been identified, was uh, in a bathroom talking about may- maybe shooting up the school with this 14-year-old who told his father, the 14-year-old w- uh, was arrested, but the other student told his father that the- this one student and identified him, and the dad, uh, last name is Swallen, he got a hold of the police, and then and then at that point all hell broke loose, and uh, they-, they caught him. And-, and I think the defense is saying that this is right up your alley, the defense is saying this 14-year-old is a troubled child who's autistic, that he was, was being manipulated by this 32-year-old adult living in the state of Colorado. And at this point, the police are monitoring him. I, I can't imagine why he's not under arrest. But they're trying to say the 14-year-old is not mentally responsible because of his autistic trait when we know that autistic kids are easily manipulated by others. He gets online with this adult in Colorado, provides the hit list of staff, parents, and teachers to kill. He tells a fellow student, thank God he did. But the defense counsel, I can hear their minds going already. Ray Fowler runs the Hamilton County Public Defender's Office. That he's not responsible. It was a fantasy. The autistic kid did not know the difference between fantasy and reality. He never had access to a gun. And uh, he's troubled. And the third and the 30 year old out in Denver was manipulating him. Thank God this was discovered. Marymount would have had a disaster on its hands. But it's going to be presented that uh, I think knowing Ray Fowler, as I do, that this was a fantasy that the man wasn't going to travel from Denver or a Denver area 
to kill Marymount High School students. And and as a prosecutor, if you were sitting in Melissa shoes, uh, uh, Melissa Power's shoes at this point, what would you do with this case with all these parameters? Because with all the school shootings, you got to come down like a ton of bricks on these kids. How do you process this? Well, first of all, I just think everybody needs to take a minute to thank that child who came forward because that cannot be easy. And no. boy, how grateful should we be? Should everybody be for what he did? So I first want to say that. Second, I want to say my husband's a teacher. So, you know, this is what your nightmares are about. So I understand the perspective where the prosecutor's coming from, right? What are we going to do? We have to do something because what we're doing right now is not working. It is not working at all. So you have to find different ways to come down hard to make it look like we're not going to put up with this anymore. I think that this is a hard case because of the age of the child, because the child might have some mental disabilities. But there's a reason why it's called the spectrum. We don't know where this child falls on the spectrum. What's going to be important is to see what the juvenile court does in this case. The juvenile court has to do an examination to determine whether the child can be helped or not in juvenile court, Mm. whether this case should be transferred to adult court. They want to look at the victims. They want to look at whether the child actually had a weapon, whether there was an adult. We've got that in this case who might have been planning ideas in the child's head. But then you got to take a step back and do kind of what happened in Michigan. You know, how did we get to this point? Yeah, and, and How today, is this, is not paying attention to social media and what the child's doing. You know, I think a lot of children on the autism spectrum do rely on their electronic devices. I think it is an outlet for them. I think every parent should be paying attention to what's going on in their child's phones, their electronic media, whatever it is, social websites that they're on. It's a responsibility for parents to look at that. And looking at the Michigan case... This is going to be charged as attempted aggravated murder. Where are the parents of the 14-year-old, the autistic child? Could they face possible criminal prosecutions under the statutes of attempted aggravated murder? He had acts in furtherance of the conspiracy, did not complete the act, but that is still a crime. Based upon Michigan, are are the prosecutors and police going to be looking at the parents of the autistic 14-year-old to see what they did, what they knew, and when they knew it? So I think prosecutors across the country are looking at their laws. They're looking at their statutes. They're trying to find out here in Kentucky that talks about complicity, whether someone has a legal duty to prevent an act and they fail to do so. I think the argument could be made as a parent, you have a legal duty to prevent your child from committing a crime such as this. Would that be something that would apply? I can say that I hope to God I never have to make that decision myself that that doesn't happen here in my county. But as prosecutors, we need to look at that. We need to find out what we could make fit, what's appropriate, who's responsible, and where does criminal liability fall? All right, Michelle Snodgrass, I want to get this student's name out because he's, in a sense, a hero. He said, this is the 15-year-old student that reported to his dad, quote, he said that if I told anyone about this, he was going to kill me as fast as possible, unquote. So the 14-year-old autistic kid in the library speaking with uh, uh, his, the boy's name is Boom Swallen told him that 
He said that if I told anyone about it, he would kill me as fast as possible. But Boom Swallen said he told his father, Zach Swallen, about the threat allowing police to thwart the accused student. You can't assume this is a fantasy as law enforcement. You can't assume, well, this is being manipulated by someone out of, uh, out of the state. And you have to assume it's real. And that's why I compliment Melissa Powers in saying we're going to deal with this case because we've had local shootings. There was a big one in Butler County with Richard K. Jones. This is a thing. But Boom Swallen, a 15-year-old student, I assume about a sophomore at Marymount High School, had his life threatened, and he still stood up like a tenfold beacon in the night and told his dad, and his dad immediately called, hit 911, told Marymount Police, and then within a few hours, this 14-year-old was, was arrested. But if Boom Swallen and his dad had not acted under threats of their own killing by this 14-year-old, guess what? This could have been a reality because, as you know, Colorado's had multiple mass shootings beginning in 1999 with those two kids that killed a whole bunch in a cafeteria in Columbine. And so this is a thing. And so uh, Boom Swallen, his dad, Zach, congratulations on acting as great citizens. And Michelle Snodgrass, once again, thank you for coming on the Bill Cunningham Show. And uh, we'll see what happens down the road. But uh, jurisprudence is changing, and parents have got to get more involved with children and what they're doing, when they're doing it. Do they have their weapons like an Adam Lanza had when he killed his own mother before the shooting in, uh, the, uh, in, uh, in Newtown grade school? And someone spoke up. In this case, someone spoke up. And if, and if, if Swallen, Boom Swallen had not spoken up, we could have had a different result. But once again, Michelle Snodgrass, I hope you serve as the Campbell County uh, attorney, Commonwealth attorney for another generation or two. You may be stepping down at the end of the year, but I, I'm very pleased to have your perspective on this. And Michelle Schnodgrass, thank you very much. Thank you, Bill. You have a good day. God bless you. Let's continue with more. Unbelievable. Parents, pay attention on News Radio 700 WLW. Men, it's the new year. And for many of us, it's a time of deciding to make positive changes in our lives. This is Jeff for Tri-State Men's Health. And if you're suffering with erectile dysfunction and are tired of the frustration and embarrassment ED causes, you should call Tri-State Men's Health today because there probably isn't a better resolution you can make than to be done with ED. You see, ED doesn't just affect you. It can also affect your partner, even if they don't talk about it. But here's some great news. If you're like most guys, the treatments at Tri-State Men's Health will give you back your sex life because our protocols have success rates that work in well over 90% of cases. Seriously. You might even find you're performing like you haven't in years. So make an appointment and get ED out of your life. Your initial visit is only $99 and includes blood work, a medical consult, and if medically advised, a test dose. And if that test dose doesn't work in the office, your visit is free. Call 800-900-9654 or go to tristatemenshealth.com. We have four offices, Cincinnati, Louisville, Dayton, and now Columbus. Breathe easier with Zero Res Air Duct Cleaning. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.